Welcome to the Positive Pants Podcast. Mindset, motivation, and inspiration to help you find your positive pants. It's time to let go of negative thinking, understand why you do what you do, and stop the self-sabotage with your host, Fran Excel. Welcome to the show. As always, it's Fran Excel, your resident subconscious success mentor, helping you find your very own pair of positive pants so you can get out of your own way and live a life that you love. If you want to stop sabotaging your own success and let go of the stress, then you are in the right place, my friend. Make sure you download your free stressed to success guided meditation at bit.ly forward slash stressed to success as my little gift to you for being here. Please do subscribe, share, review. It really, really helps people that need to hear this message find us. And I so appreciate it. In the show notes, you will also find details of how you can work with me and where you can get your mitts on my meditations, products, and printables. You can also find it through the link in my bio on Instagram, which is my second favorite place to hang out. So please do come join me over there at I'm Fran Excel. Tag me in your takeaways, slide into my DMs. I am here for it. So that is the formalities over my love. So let's jump into the content. Just a quick note before we get started. This is a conversation with a pal and there is some colorful language. (laughs) If you've got the kiddos around, whack your earpods in. Hello, hello. I am so excited. I've got a little treat for you guys today. I have my wonderful friend, Louise Restra. Westra. Always struggle to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is a real treat. A, because she's a huge amount of fun. She's a super smart cookie and she's going to give you the science around things that I hint at, but obviously are not in my zone of genius. But when we get to January, this type of year, time of year, we are always thinking about getting healthy, losing weight, all of these things. Now, the reason I wanted Louise to come on is because she's a naturopath and for the last 16 years, she knows her stuff. So she's going to talk to us today about what we can look out for and how we can shift our thinking around health in terms of our businesses and in terms of our family lives and our relationships, let's be honest, right? (laughs) So Louise has I mean, goodness gracious, when you sent this over to me, dude, I didn't even know this about you. She's been a columnist <laughs> for Condé Nast, Traveller, Red, The Sun, Daily Mail, Psychologies, Glamour, Health and Fitness, to name just a few, and won Tatler Awards for retrieving mojos and for being the best health fixer. I didn't even know I had such a cool friend. This is the thing, isn't it? The quiet, the quiet introvert. Don't shout about all your good stuff, huh? Well, yeah, I guess... <clears throat> it's a curse and a blessing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Introvert. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. At the same time, you know, I have those moments where, as you say, we've been friends for a, for a while now, and then I send you my bio, and you're like, how did I not know any of this about you? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I bet it would be the same the other way around. <laughs> exactly. I think there's more of us kind of closeted introverts coming out now, aren't there? Yeah, I think, I think so. And I think it's really important because, um, you know, there's lots of noise, isn't there? There's lots mm-hmm. of noise out there. And uh, I, for one, can sometimes find the noise quite intimidating. Mm. And I know it's really, really important for us as women to shout about our successes. Um, but it doesn't come naturally to me for, for a variety of reasons. So, you know, actually this 
week just gone, I did a strategy session with my, my peeps and my membership. And one of the things that I'm getting them to do this year, I've chosen the word celebrate for 2021 because I want to do more celebrating of myself for the exact reason that you're talking about. And one of the things I'm getting them to do as well as outlining their personal strategy is to have a jar of amazing. So the jar of amazing. Yeah. yeah, I started the jar of amazing actually in 2020 and uh, then it, it fell, fell away a little bit with lockdown and, and whatnot. But what, it, what it's reminded me going back and looking at the first three months of, of the year is how many wins I, I actually have had this year. And there's so many others that I've forgotten. And what I want to do is to ensure that we're celebrating our successes, whether they are out there in the world in a you know, very visible way or whether it's simply you know, behind the scenes asking somebody for help when we used to be a person that's done it all themselves. Yeah, that's the big one. And, and actually, it's, it's nice that you say that because one of my previous episodes, a couple of episodes ago, is all about trying to normalize asking for help because we can't be expected to do all these things on our own. We're not, we're not all, all geniuses and with all degrees in health and mind and psychology and all of these different things, right? I think as well, what we've got to remember, and, and obviously for a lot of us in the business space, at different times when we're starting up, when we're scaling, there, there may be times when we're working more, you know, considerably more than the 40-hour working week. Yeah. But even with the 40-hour working week, what we've got to remember is that that was designed for two people in a partnership, one going out of the house and doing those 40 hours, and then the other person, usually the female, at home managing the house and any children. Mm. And so here we are with all the balls in the air, working 50, 60. You know, I have, I have um, female entrepreneurial friends who this year have cut their working week down to 70 hours a week. Wow. And that's actually a step forward for them. God. It is crazy, crazy, crazy times that we are living in. I think it's an important thing, isn't it? It's what I really want to get through to people, which I have talked about before in the podcast, is this, we have such a lot on our plates, right? And it's really easy to get overwhelmed by it. But also we try and blame ourselves and shame ourselves for a lot of things. You know, like if the health goes out the window or anything along those lines, it tends to become labeled some sort of mindset problem. And you can, you can't see me guys, but I'm doing my air quotes. I love an air quote on a podcast. (laughs) I feel like there's a certain way I say it that you get it, but (laughs) I am doing it in real time. And one of the things that is really important to me is that people stop labeling themselves. And I'm always talking about leading with curiosity because the more curiosity that you have, the more you will actually look at things. Whereas when you label yourself, you cut things off, you cut yourself off to other opportunities. And often when we're in a low mood, the amount of blame that that people take upon themselves and shame for feeling it, like I just can't get out of this mood. And sometimes it's actually nothing to do with anything that's actually in your noggin right now. Sometimes it's to do with your hormones. Sometimes it's to do with the moon. Sometimes it's to do with your gut. There's so much that is in this. It's not as simple or black and white. So I brought Louise on to talk to us about the gut brain axis. 
sounds super technical and to talk to us about our nervous systems a little bit and how we can start to make changes, but also just recognize when it could be something else and that it's time to actually ask for help in that particular area and learn a little bit more in that area to increase our energy, to shift our mood, to improve our focus, motivation. They're two huge things. And a lot of focus and motivation can be hugely affected by your gut. So tell me a little bit about that, Louise, how with your clients, obviously you work with a lot of high achieving women. What are the most common problems that, that people come to you with that you help solve? Before we get to that, can I just say, I love the fact that you're talking about curiosity because that's one of the big things that I say to my clients mm. is rather than going into that cycle of shame around, mm. oh, I ate all the chocolate or I drank a whole bottle of wine on a Wednesday when I promised myself I wouldn't do it till Friday is get curious around why is that happened? You know, so I love that you're saying that. Um, but to answer your friend. question, <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, but to answer that question, uh, when it comes to the gut, the gut is absolutely central to pretty much anything and everything that's going on in our body and our mind. And that, without getting into a lot of detail, that really goes back to the way that we develop in utero. So this relationship between the gut and the uh, nervous system is absolutely fundamental to how we experience life. And, and one of the things that I see time and time again with women is that on the outside, it looks all shiny. Um, you know, uh, one of my friends uh, calls it, you know, fur coat, no knickers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that great? And, you know, so on the outside, it, it looks great. You know, sometimes, uh, certainly in the female entrepreneurial space, there's a degree of women sharing a bit about their journey and how it's not as easy as it looks and so on. But that's often just the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. So when you pull back the fur coat and uh, you get into the nitty gritty, as it were, what you often see is a pattern of low energy, low mood. And often alongside that, you get low grade gut symptoms that for some people have been diagnosed as an IBS situation. And those things, Fran, they all go together for a variety of, of reasons. But one of the reasons that is grounded in the science is that serotonin, which you know a lot of people will have heard of, if you haven't, serotonin is a neurotransmitter. It works in our brain to, um, uh, to, uh, to support our mood, Serotonin is actually made in our gut. Mm -hmm. So if we're in a situation where our mood tends to be quite low, even if we're working really, really hard on the mindset piece to make sure that our glass is full and not half empty. And, you know, and even if we've got lots of things around us that we should be excited about, if the joy has gone and we feel like our mood is lower than it should be or it used to be, then that can be an indication that our gut is needing some support to ensure that we have really robust levels of that serotonin mm -hmm. so that can travel up and influence our, uh, well, essentially our, our experience of our mind and, and, and making sure that we can have the joy and the, you know, the appreciation of what we have got in a really, you know, embodied sense rather than having to work so bloody hard for it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love that. And it's, it's so important because 
this just isn't talked about enough. And I, I talk about it a lot in terms of really being curious about what is actually going on. And if you have been doing the work, the work is hard as in, as in when you're looking at your mindset, we were talking about this before. I say, when you start doing the work, it's like pulling out every single drawer in the house to declutter it. Everything's on show. Everything's in view. It's painful, right? But sometimes when that's, there's, there's a bit of longevity to that pain. Sometimes it's worth having a look at the other areas. Yeah, because, you know, in actual fact, and this is a thing that's one of the things that I see missing in the conversation around mindset and health generally, is the way that we feel, mm -hmm. the way that we think, and the behaviors that we exhibit, the choices that we make, are very clearly driven by the, you know, how well our body is or isn't functioning. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a case of, and in, in people can't see me, but I'm cutting, I'm, I'm, I'm cutting, you know, between my head and my body, you know, there's, there's no thought process without something happening in our cells and our body. You know, there's 37,000 billion things going on every second of every day in our bodies. And, and that's miraculous, but it means that when we feel something, yes, it can certainly, or think something, it can certainly be our mindset but equally that mindset may be um may be entrenched partly because in the case of the gut for instance if we are struggling with the lower mood it might be that you know when we've done all the work and we're still it still seems so hard like we're pushing the proverbial uphill it may be that we need to have a look or it's not that we may need to then i would say in the majority of cases we need to then work out what needs to be enhanced in our digestive tract and we don't have to necessarily have anything overtly wrong with us mm -hmm. for things to work better and that again is one of the things that we lack in the western approach to health is this idea of well you know either something is wrong with me or everything's okay. That's, that's the Western scientific paradigm. And that's okay for an acute care emergency situation. Mm. But when it comes to people's day-to-day -day quality of life, most people are living in the gray area where things are not thankfully diseased, but nor are they as optimal, nor are they working as well as they could. And that, that's something that obviously I deal with every single day. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's that whole idea of like waiting until something's disastrous to actually get the help. But then like, and I love that we both talk about curiosity because, but when you look at that and you're like, I wonder if there's something going on that could make things easier for me. So many people come to me and they're like, I just can't focus. I really can't find the motivation. And there are so many pieces to that puzzle. There is no, there is no one thing that that will be but looking at your gut health and all of these different things because I, i've been talking a huge amount this year about how the mind and the body co are connected and we're so disconnected to our feelings you know our emotions are in the body right we all f think that they're in our brains we think all of this stuff is in our brains but it's it's 
even more so in our body. And you need to be able to connect to those feelings to, to actually know what's going wrong. But so many of us are disconnected. Is this something that you work with with your clients to kind of notice what, when you feel a particular emotion, like where do you feel it in your body? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Is that something that you do as well? Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm working with one-to-one clients, we're, I'm always uh, encouraging them to reconnect because it's in that reconnection that, and that understanding of how things impact us that we can create some space then between what choice we make. Yeah. So to give, to give an example, or hopefully a simple example, if you are someone that when you feel tired or stressed or anxious, you reach for chocolate or wine, what I would encourage you know, I mean, it's a process, obviously, but what I'd be encouraging is, again, getting curious about the, about the role that the chocolate or the wine is actually playing in your body and what emotions come up in the prelude to making that choice. So rather than not being aware of the emotions, you know, and just going straight to the wine or the chocolate, mm. if we can just have that curiosity of, gosh, I really feel like eating all the chocolate now or bring me all the wine, then we get to stop and think about, well, what am I, you know, what am I actually experiencing in my body? What am I feeling beyond this, this compulsion to, you know, to block it out? What's happening? How am I feeling? Where do I feel it? Is it in my gut? Is it, um, you know, in my shoulder? Is it actually, you know, in my, you know, is it a pain in my ovaries? Like, you know, is it related to my cycle? What, what, what is actually going on for me so that we get an ever expanding experience of ourselves and therefore learn what is it we actually need in that moment? And I'm not saying that, you know, you can't have a glass of wine and you can't have some chocolate, but often and far too often, those things are used as a replacement for that connection. Yeah. And for that, that, you know, that, those, those potential insights and those nuggets of wisdom that our body is always trying to provide us with. Yeah. It's numbing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It just, it, you know, it's, it's a way of just shutting it down. And, and, you know, if we're honest and we've all done it, I mean, I've, I've certainly done it um, when I was considerably, um, I don't like the word younger, but you know, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, I was someone who had a very, very severe um, IBS mm. uh, situation. So, uh, and, and a lot of that was emotional. It arose it due to a family situation um, and it kind of spiraled fr- from there as the, you know, the gut brain connection just kept perpetuating itself and then the anxiety. And then, you know, once I'd exhausted myself with the anxiety, then it was the mood dropping into the depression. And so the cycle goes on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's being able, like so much of what I teach is, is about getting to know yourself again. We don't know ourselves. We're running around like unconscious rabbits bashing heads with each other ego to ego, unconscious to unconscious, and just completely clueless with what is really going on for ourselves. So it's this exploration, kind of call it a journey, but it is really, isn't it? It's a journey of exploration and curiosity and and consciousness, really. And it's understanding like trauma is stored in the body. 
you know, like I, 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 this year I've been going through and I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I, I, I had my best friend died when I was 11 years old, when I was at school and I just hadn't had the ability to process those emotions. There was a lot that I made up in those emotions, but there was a lot of trauma stored in my body. So I ended up with, um, with IBS and problems like that as well. And, and there's, there's that connection between the problems in your body and the traumas that you've had as well. Um, and these, when we talk about traumas, it's not, it's not even the, the big stuff necessarily. It can be really small things about things that got said to you or things that can, can happen to you as a child that we, we just, you're supposed to be over it by now. Right. So you don't look at it. But all of this stuff is connected. So it comes through in our language as well, doesn't it? It's like, I've just got a gut feeling. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I used to live in Australia and they have some fantastic uh, colloquialisms around um, gut. So they talk about, I hope I can say this. They talk about um, having shit for brains. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they call being cranky being shitty because there's this, there's this embedded understanding that you know, what's happening in the gut actually has a direct impact on what's happening in the brain. But it's like, we've, we've forgotten that we say these things, but because, you know, because they're so colloquial, we, we don't think about their meaning anymore. Um, and the other thing is, is, as you've already said, we're not encouraged, certainly within the Western paradigm to really explore um, ourselves and um, to it, particularly for women, I think, mm. we still are not really at a point where as a rite of passage, we're encouraged to have a relationship with ourselves unless we come into the self-development um, kind of uh, space. And, and when I became a naturopath, I was uh, initially attracted to it because I had a history of such severe mm. um, digestive issues and I had no idea really I knew that stress played a role yeah. um, but I had no idea the depth of what I was carrying and, and going back what, to what you're saying about you know recently having that realization that mm -hmm. that trauma has still been with you mm -hmm. but as you say those micro traumas that are in the day-to-day -day, I recently worked through a, a layer um, around uh, my experience when I was about two and my sister was very unwell with ear infections. And so, you know, I was a, a small child and she was at home screaming and, you know, mm. they just didn't know what to do with her. And that left an imprint on my brain that re really only recently came up for me because with our youngest who came to us, as you know, a couple of years mm -hmm. ago now, um, because of the challenges he's had, and his speech and language delay and, and him being, you know, uh, expressing his frustration in a very vocal kind of guttural way, that triggered that latent trauma, yeah. which I had no idea I was carrying. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the fascination. It's nothing I'm always telling people is like, so many people feel like you do this kind of work to be fixed in some way but there's nothing wrong with you and it's this this whole idea that oh well if i just solve this one more thing that's it then i'm fixed i'm good yeah and it, it's it doesn't work like that this is lifelong work you never know when the next layer of the onion is going to get peeled away 
right? I had no idea that 25 years on, my best friend's death had, had created so many things in my adult life. We just, we, we're not taught this stuff and how much of an effect it can have because it can be to an adult can seem like it's something really small. But when we are between the ages of naught and seven, we often have no choice but to turn that frustration or anger or fear or shame or guilt inward is where a lot of the I'm not good enoughs come from. It's where a lot of the, you know, I'm not worthy, all of these things, because as much as hopefully the majority of our parents were trying to do their very best, they're all humans as well without this knowledge. This is why it drives me so mad that this stuff isn't taught in schools because it can have such an effect. Like when you look at attachment theory and all of these different things, there's so many pieces to the puzzle and it, it, it's accepting that there's nothing wrong with you, right? It's accepting that, that you just need to have a little bit of curiosity and have a look at the whole puzzle. It's like, if you, you know, with, um, do you remember Operation? That okay. board game. <laughs> and it's like, imagine trying to play Operation with some missing pieces. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's like, when you talk about, so I always forget the number of neurons. How many neurons are there in your gut versus your brain? Oh God, off the top of my head? It's craziness, I know. <laughs> I, honestly, I can't even remember. I always, the one I always remember is that there's as many microorganisms living yeah. inside the gut as there are cells in our body, at least. And depending on what you read, wow. um, other sources say that it's, it's significantly more. Yeah. So um, there's some, you know, there's some, there's some philosophical debate around, well, who's the host and who's, you know, who's hosting who, who's yeah. in charge. Um, but, you know, in, in all seriousness, when you look at some, some neurological situations, some neurological conditions, there are patterns of uh, dysbiosis. So there are different, uh, you know, gatherings, if you like, of the less favorable uh, microorganisms in the gut that are that correspond with certain neurological issues like um, you know autism and uh, ADHDs and 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 things like that. So you know there's a direct there's a direct impact between what's living inside of us, mm. and then if those organisms are less favourable, then they have the capacity often to irritate and inflame the neurons. Mm-hmm which can make us feel irritated and, um, you know, less comfortable and less, you know, tolerant on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, that's something we need, right? It's particularly if you've got families and you're dealing with, because we, we've got to be honest, let's lay it all out on the table. Everything becomes a little bit more difficult, but it's worth it. Like relationships, that is something that, that, requires management family life is something that requires management because we love what we do right we could spend all day every day doing this stuff but it's about being able to look at it and see where the balance is and where you may be sacrificing certain things or causing certain situations that just that don't need to happen that could be linked to the amount of water you're drinking to uh, if you're having too much booze or if you're um eating junk food all of these things and and everything kind of works against itself because I know for me, like if I'm tired, I have from my best friend dying as well. This was my link to food, my relationship with food. A lot of it comes from there around comfort eating because I was away at boarding school 
and my mum would soothe me with with food which is obviously what I wanted right who didn't want a Mackie D's on the way home from boarding school right but it became something that I soothed myself with if I felt sad if I felt tired if I deserved a treat because I'd done something good that I soothed everything with with food and it was junk food so yeah it's not about demonizing things or making things bad it's it's awareness for me, when you have that awareness to make choices that are going to be right for you. And sometimes that choice will be, do you know what? I just need five minutes with some Ben and Jerry's, right? But it's, it's that balance. It's not doing that every flipping day. Yeah. And, and actually, it's great that you've brought food up because, you know, putting aside a significant trauma, even if you haven't had that, Again, what I see a lot in the entrepreneurial space is a lot of women not taking care of themselves, even if they have the best of intentions, through the course of pretty much every single day or the majority of the days. And then they get to the evening and their body is naturally depleted. So as you say, they're dehydrated, they are undernourished. And that's when the choices around, okay, well, I want the sugary things, whether that's wine, whether that's chocolate, whether it's both. Um, and this, you know, this, this acceptance that we have that sugar and alcohol are treats. Yeah. You know, this idea of treats, and we, we maybe haven't, you know, maybe that's a, a topic for another day, but so we've got, we've got that in place. So then we go, well, I worked really hard today. Um, so I'm going to have the wine, I'm going to have the chocolate and I'm going to soothe myself with that. Mm. And then that goes on into the evening. Maybe, you know, we do have a bike, maybe we do have a meal as well. You know, that's great. And then what happens is going back to what you were saying before about the brain fog and the lack of concentration mm -hmm. and everything feeling mentally harder for people. We then go to bed. We don't get the, we don't give the body what it needs so it can do its cellular housekeeping Mm -hmm. um, and that cellular housekeeping, which is called autophagy, is so absolutely fundamental mm -hmm. to our body that, you know, a few years ago, a researcher won the Nobel Prize for Medicine and Physiology for, for their work in that area. That's how important it is. Mm -hmm. And we unwittingly aren't allowing our body the opportunity to clean up because of, you know, what, what, how we've, you know, the choices we've made. We wake up the next day, we feel a bit shit. Um, so then we don't eat. Um, maybe we drink some water. Maybe we use caffeine to get through, whether that's a can of Diet Coke, you know, um, or coffee or whatever. And so the cycle goes on. When yeah. in actual fact, what we need to do is, yes, we need to look at our self-worth and why we are putting ourselves completely aside in this pursuit of success whatever that means for us. Yeah. At the same time, maybe we also need to have a look at our blood sugar and ensure that our stress response isn't shutting down our appetite through the course of the day because we're busy, busy doing all the things. Yeah. And then when that stress response kind of drops and the adrenaline and the cortisol falls away at the end of the day, then suddenly the body goes, I need, the f I need food and you better get it down here quickly so you get the signal for the alcohol and the chocolate. Yeah. I can so relate. It's like, my husband is, is a chef and he's always like, right, come on now, let's have a, let's have a proper lunch and all this. And I'm like, no, give me a little snack. I'm not hungry. <laughs> all of these different things. And it drives him mad because, but at the same time, there's also knowing your body because he, he believes I should, again with the air quotes, have 
a, a proper meal at lunchtime. And I'm like, if I have a proper meal at lunchtime, I know what my body does. I know that it's then going to make the afternoon harder. So I know the kinds of things that I could eat for lunch. So soup, salad, that's kind of the only thing really that my body can handle without me wanting to have a nap. Now I'm a big fan of a power nap, big advocate of it. There's a reason that most of Europe do it. <laughs> it, it is incredible. Go to siesta. Yeah, love a siesta, but I don't want to put myself in a position where I feel like I'm going to lose the afternoon by what I eat at lunchtime. But I can be conscious about that now. And it's it, most people aren't. Most people are kind of like, oh, I'm just going to grab a sandwich or do this without actually really tuning into what that does to your body and your en energy levels. So that is, is yeah, I mean, I, I agree. You, you need to know what works. Yeah, you need to know what works for you mm. at the same time. And I'm not somebody who eats a big, when I say I don't eat a big lunch, I probably sometimes do, but I, I, I eat as intuitively as possible. And that's really, you know, we talked before we came on a little bit about this idea of what health means. And for so many people, their focus around health is their weight, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, one of the things when I'm working with women on, on, feeling amazing and looking amazing i'm wanting to help them to get to a place where they eat intuitively yeah. rather than eating for a number on a scale or you know and 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 it's it is again it's a process at the same time what i would say is if we know instinct or if we know that whenever we eat some carbs for instance we then fall into a carb coma mm -hmm then we need to have a think about how well is our body doing from a digestive function, for instance, when it comes to providing all the enzymes. So it may be, for instance, that our pancreas needs a tonic. Mm. Yeah, so many pieces to the puzzle, but it's so <laughs> fascinating to talk about. And it's worth going back onto that. And the reason I wanted this to kind of be like the first episode in, in 2021 is because I know everybody loves to start talking about new year's resolution and they only start focusing on their health because it's January and all of these different things. And I'm hoping that what this episode is doing is, is shifting the way that you think because for myself, but also a huge amount of other people that I know, the only times that they've not self-sabotaged on their health and weight loss journey is when the weight loss isn't actually, that's the side effect. You know, it becomes, so I, I got fit, I mean, lockdown, let, let's be honest, it's been a shit show for everybody. <laughs> but I did really, really well with getting into a fitness routine because I was in my early, early 30s and the arthritis in my knees had got so bad that I couldn't run for the train. So I was like, I have got to do something about this. Um, and that's when I started getting into Bikram yoga and all of these different things. And, and, and when you can actually start to really tune into the shifts that that makes, but that wasn't about weight loss. I lost about a stone and a half without trying because that wasn't my focus. My focus was like, I want to be able to run for the train. So how can you think in January, instead of saying, right, I'm not going to eat X, Y, and Z, or I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to do that, which is all about guilt and shame right? Exactly. What can I do? Where do I want my focus to be? And where can I start small? Yeah. So I think the first thing, it's always about what, what's the meaning behind the weight loss? Mm. Because again, a lot of women are 
using weight loss as a way of, well, when I'm that weight, when I get that magical number on a scale, I'm going to be all the things. I'm going to feel this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to be this. When in actual fact, we can probably do all those things irrespective of how much, you know, mass we have. Yeah. So that's, that's the first thing. The second thing is that I always say at this time of year, forget New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. You need a personal revolution because the problem with weight loss is that it usually entails some kind of unsustainable pattern of eating and fitness that don't work in the context of our lives forever. And that's the difference is that we need to embed the things that are going to work for the context of our life. So, you know, even before lockdown, there was no way I could get to a gym three or four times a week for 45 minutes or an hour. It's yeah. just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I have what's called, uh, well, I've been doing a, a move more month. So we did a move more month in the lead up to Christmas um, with my peeps. And so that we're already going into January feeling energized mm. and raring to go. Mm. The, so it's finding the thing. So movement snacks, I call them. So having small little bursts of energy that only take, you know, one to two minutes interspersed through the day mm. so that you lift your energy, raise your heart rate a little bit and, um, and really don't miss that time. Whereas if you're told, well, at the end of the day, you have to, after a hard you know, day at work, you've then got to go and exercise for 45 to 60 minutes. For a lot of people, that's really unappealing. And actually... From a nervous system perspective, it may be the wrong thing because if they're already depleted and drained, mm-hmm. exercise isn't always healthy. People have this idea of it's a panacea, but, but it's not. Yeah. Um, so going back to the, the personal revolution part of it, always, always, always take a little bit of time to think about what do you actually want your life mm-hmm. to look like in in you know for the foreseeable future so most people don't like to talk about getting older but I talk about going up the levels so we're all going to chronologically age but whether we do that you know some people do that better in inverted commas than others Mm. so you know we've all seen that person who we maybe haven't seen for years and we're like oh my god they look amazing what are they doing and then you've got the flip side where you see someone you're like, gosh, they didn't really look, you know, that well. Um, it, it, again, it's about how we frame that. If we think about getting older as being a natural decline, which again, from a Western perspective, we tend to, you know, we're just going to lapse into becoming weaker and uh, potentially sicker and so on. Let's reframe that for ourselves and think about, well, you know, if I am going to live to 90 or 100, how much of that time do I also want to be active and Mm -hmm. healthy and disease free for, and let's plan for it now. Mm. And, and the reality is that most people spend more time usually, okay, this year is slightly different, but most people spend more time planning a spa day, a weekend away or a holiday holiday than they do thinking about how they want to feel and look and be Mm. in this vehicle that's carrying us through life. So it does take, for me, it takes a repositioning. And then, you know, rather than thinking about January as well, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not saying you shouldn't stop 
alcohol, if you want to do a dry January, by all means do. Have a think about perhaps if alcohol, if you want to address your alcohol consumption, would it be better to consider just drinking on weekends for six months than mm. just doing a dry January and then going back to the normal, in, in, I'm doing the um, air quotes now. Air quotes. Um, the normal uh, alcohol consumption, whereby you spend, you know, Monday to Wednesday going, will not drink, will not drink, will not drink. Mm. And then Thursday or Friday hits and you're like, thank God I can open the wine. Yeah. Let's think about why is the wine so important? Yeah. And maybe it's the reduction in the wine or buying a slightly more expensive bottle of wine and drinking a little bit less that will then lead to, as you said, you know, it was your knees you wanted to address, mm. but you lost a stone and a half during that process that, you know, reducing the alcohol consumption, having a better quality of alcohol, mm. um, but not as often mm -hmm. will give you then the opportunity to fit into that outfit or that dress or, you know, again, I don't think the focus should be a number on the scale, but we've got to also recognize as humans, it's, it's, it's good for us to have certain, you know, like goals, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah. We like outcomes. We do like outcomes. For me, it was always about how my clothes feel because I had, um, I had eating disorders when I was younger, all of these things. And I know that I can have a tendency to get obsessed with the scale. I haven't weighed myself in years, but I know that there's certain things that I measure in, in kind of in my head a little bit. And it's about, certain items of clothing and the way I feel in clothes that sort of thing became more important to me than a number on a scale because we've all got different bone densities we've all got like we're all different creatures you can't compare one to another in that kind of black and white kind of way so I think what I really want people to understand is first of all 2020 was a horror story <laughs> You know, forgive yourself for anything that you did or didn't do, right? That's a big one. And going into 2021, it's like, let's just make the focus. Let's make the revolution about getting to know ourselves again and, and use that curiosity and be like, okay, how do I actually want to feel? How do I want to feel in myself? And forgiving ourselves, like noticing what these problems, that's commas again, problems are like the lack of focus, lack of motivation, and just starting to, to think a little differently about where that could come from. It's not something that's fundamentally broken in you as a person. Otherwise, like why would so many millions of people struggle with the same thing, right? But let's just start to think a little differently about how we attack these things. Stop looking at these things as things that are wrong with us that have to be changed because they're broken, because it's just not, it's just not true. And always being open to that extra layer of the onion and being open to getting help in these different areas, right? So if you look at the wheel of life, there's something like eight different areas. There's a reason for that. They, they require different attention and different energies. But if you want more energy, you want more focus, you want more motivation, one of the things that you can really look at is, is your gut, is starting to tune into what's in your body. So Louise, what would your biggest tip be for people going into this year? If they're sitting at the other side of this going, right, I need to, I'm going to cut out all carbs. I'm going to exercise every day, going from that like all or nothing <laughs> stance. What would your advice be to help them have the best year that they possibly can? My advice would be to sit down and 
reposition 2021 as the year of you. Mm, so rather, yeah, rather than being like, oh, January, it's all about January, you mm-hmm. know, six, something like 60% of people by the end of January haven't actually done their, you know, their resolutions. Mm. So rather than making it this, I know a year is still a finite amount of time, but sit down and, and you know, have a think about what, what does my life look like if it's successful? What does success mean mm-hmm. for me with me at the fulcrum of that? I'm the center. I'm the center of it all. Everything, everything really is about me uh, in, a, in a healthy way because as women, we're so quick to bypass ourselves, Mm. put other people first. Let's bring ourselves back into the center of our lives, not our businesses, you know, okay, they're an extension of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's, let's focus on ourselves and make 2021 the year of the year of you. Love that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and looking at it in terms of, okay, well, if I do this thing, how will that effect spill out into other areas? Yes, you're, you're the focal point of your life, but it's, it's how do you want to be in your relationships? How do you want to be with your kids? How do you want to show up and what's actually going to help you to do that? Yeah, in, in the strategy session that I mentioned I did with, with my members, um, we looked at uh, all the physical feels, the emotional feels, the mm. mental feels and the spiritual feels. Yeah. And so we started off with blue sky, how, how do I want those things to be for me? And then we're taking them and breaking them down. So if I want to feel like I've got, you know, brilliant, consistent energy pretty much day in, day out, what are the things that need to happen for me to achieve that? Mm-hmm. And then what we've got to ensure we do is not overload ourselves with the things to do. So for some yeah. people, going back to the example I used about, you know, drinking the wine, eating the chocolate, or eating anything too late it may be that that's the thing we need to rein back. Mm. So, you know, instead of eating until nine o'clock at night or maybe later, we start off in January, our focus is, let's bring that back and make sure that I am putting in a 10 hour fast to start with. And then by the end of February, I'm going to make sure that's a 12 hour fast Mm. Um, and, and planning that out. And that might also require us to get some, you know, like you mentioned lunches, it might require us to get some, really quick, a little quick library of um, meals that we can have at lunch and at dinner time that we can draw on and are tasty, you know, nutritious, but, but take less than 30 minutes from prep to plate. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, so that we've got some practical resources as well to ensure that those things become a reality, that we can act on them because it's all very well having, you know, a highfalutin um, plan, we've got to make sure that we've got the day-to-day actions in place to get us where we, we want to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And doing it based on, on you and your life. That's the thing. There is no one size fits all in any of this stuff. There never is. So it's, it's really getting, getting back in tune again with like, okay, if I want to do this and I want to follow this, how can that fit in with my family? How can that fit in with my relationship? All of these different things. How can we do it together? And it, it's just making sure that all of these things and all of these changes actually fit with you and for you, because you don't have to sit there. And I loved in your bio as well, you mentioned about how, and it's something that I say as well. It's like, you, you don't have to settle for mediocre in any area of your life. 
you, you just don't. We believe that this mediocre is, is what we're supposed to have, right? But tell yourself that you can have something different. You can have something more. It's available to you. You just got to make the decision. Yeah, I think there's so many women who are so harried and kind of, you know, slightly under the cosh. Not, and it's not anyone else's cosh other than their own. Mm-hmm. Um, that really, you know, when they look out, they see so many other women who are having that mediocre experience in their lives with their health and well-being, who, you know, perhaps are incredibly successful in a financial um, and business way, mm-hmm. but that have ultimately paid a price with their health and then get to a point where you know they need to then actually invest a considerable amount of money time and energy for the foreseeable future Mm. to get back to a place where they were before or or you know ideally and this is what i do with a lot of my clients is that we get them to a place where they feel better than they ever have in their entire life yeah yeah and knowing that's possible that's it exactly yeah it is possible yeah ah love this chat i'm sure we'll have you back on again plus you're a joy to speak to always a pleasure never a chore (laughs) (laughs) so if people want to learn more about this and want to learn starting on their journey of healing their gut or investigating and getting curious around this and and the ways that they can start where can they find you uh, so I am on Instagram in a rather haphazard fashion currently as Louise Westra Health. And uh, I'm on Facebook as Louise Westra Health Mastery. I do have um, a private membership and I am also over on LinkedIn for those of you that like that space. Love it. Awesome. Well, I'll link all of that up in the show notes as well. So people can get in touch if they want to explore how they could potentially work with you and um, all of these different things. But I suppose my, my final message is don't settle for mediocre. Don't label yourself. Get curious. And all of this is available for you. All of this change, um, this positivity and um, focus, health, everything. It's all there waiting you just got to take a couple of steps. So thank you again, Louise. Is there anything else, anything, final notices that you want to give people before we head off? Uh, the, the only thing I would add to what you've essentially said is that, you know, this is not a dress rehearsal. Yes. Let's, let's remember that and let's, you know, seize the day as it were and remember that, you know, we, we have the choice. It's just that we need to decide that it's, it's, me first yeah love that love that thank you again so much you so if you've got value from this and you know in your gut that now is the time to step up and start rewiring your thinking and start changing things for yourself then please do book in a free discovery call so we can work out what needs to happen to get you from where you're at right now to the action taking success you know you can be If you want my eyes and ears on your problems, then I do work with people one-on-one and through the Proactive Pants program. You can find all the details to book in a call in the show notes, the link in my bio on Instagram and on my website, franexcel.com. So stop waiting for if and when and choose to change things now because you can. I am here to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself.
And as always, I hope you found this helpful. And as always, I will see you next week. Bye.